0: Hi, welcome to The Branch Online Sermons. Today is the last uh, in our series looking at the topic of prayer, what the Bible has to say about prayer. I'd really encourage you to take some time after the sermon today to think back over the sermons that we've had over the past few weeks uh, and uh, to think about the kinds of areas that you would like to grow in prayer. Uh, If you don't do that, it will probably end up all going in one ear and out the other. So I'd encourage you to write down those ways that you'd love to grow and then make plans for how you're going to do that. For instance, if you, would, if you would really love to grow in praying more, then you'll need to plan when you're going to do that. When are you going to pray? You'll need to work out exactly when you'll do that. Otherwise, it will never happen. And don't just plan to do it. Also pray. Pray that God would help you to grow in speaking to him in prayer. One final suggestion is as well to maybe come back to this sermon series in a month or two and to listen to all the sermons again and see how you've grown, if you've grown, and see what other ways you might like to grow as well. Well, over the last few weeks, we've thought about what prayer is. We've thought about communion with God, We've thought about the challenge of prayer. We've thought about the promise of prayer. And today, finally, we're looking at the practice of prayer. Of course, we've already touched on aspects of the practice of prayer as we've worked through this sermon series. But today we're going to be thinking about that in much more detail. But even as we do that, we're really only going to scratch the surface of this idea of the practice of prayer. And for that reason, Monday next week, we'll be holding a Zoom seminar uh, where we'll look more at the practice of prayer. Uh, Part of that will be hearing from other people in the church, how they uh, do prayer, what they have found helpful, what they've found challenging. Uh, We'll hear from people at various different stages of life. Uh, But it will be great if you could join us for that. One of the interesting things about the practice of prayer in the Bible is that the Bible doesn't really give us much in the way of rules for prayer. That is, it doesn't give us a strict set of guidelines on what we should pray, or how often we should pray, or where we should pray, or who we should do it with. We've looked uh, over the last few weeks at some of the big ideas about God and us that help shape prayer, but none of those things really gives us uh, kind of black and white rules to follow The Bible doesn't really do that. Jesus gives us commands on what not to do. We'll look at one of those, some of those in a moment. Uh, And he teaches us to pray the Lord's Prayer. Uh, But as Jacob showed us a couple of weeks ago, even the Lord's Prayer is a model more than an exact specification on what we should say. In comparison, Islam, for instance, has a pretty simple rule of praying five times a day facing toward Mecca. The Bible doesn't give us those kinds of simple rules. It doesn't give us commands about lighting candles or prayer wheels or things like that. Actually, prayer in the Bible is actually kind of plain. I guess that's because prayer in the Bible is about a relationship with God. It's not about a set of tasks that we have to tick off a list. Prayer is about speaking with the God who has spoken to us in the Bible and who has spoken to us in the person of Jesus. But although the Bible doesn't give much in the way of commands about the practice of prayer, it does give some models. It gives us models of what prayer looks like. So much of what we'll be doing today is thinking about how those models that the Bible gives can help us in our lives of prayer. The passage that we'll be starting with today is Matthew chapter 6, verse 5 to 13. If you haven't read that, you might like to pause the sermon now and read it. As I said a moment ago, Jesus doesn't give us much instruction on the how of prayer, Uh, The passage from Matthew chapter 6 that we read is one of the main things that Jesus says about the practice of prayer. But its focus is less on what to do and more actually on what not to do. Jesus gives two instructions uh, on what not to do. First, he says, don't pray to be seen. And second, don't babble. Jesus says in verse 5, And when you pray, do not be like the hypocrites, For they love to pray standing in the synagogues and on the street corners to be seen by others. Truly, I tell you, they have received their reward in full. But when you pray, go into your room, close the door and pray to your father who is unseen. Then your father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. The purpose of prayer is not to be seen by others. The purpose of prayer is to speak to God. To pray simply in order to be seen is not really to pray at all. It's like having a conversation with your husband or your wife, uh, not for their sake, but for the sake of those who are looking on, so that the people who are looking on will be impressed by what a kind and thoughtful person you are. But that's not really having a conversation. Uh, You're not really being kind and thoughtful at all. You're actually only thinking of yourself. And it's the same with prayer and speaking to God. The first place that we need to start in prayer is actually speaking to God, not speaking so that others will think well of us. If that means, Jesus says, locking yourself in the kitchen pantry or in your bedroom cupboard or or wherever it is, then do that. Far better to lock yourself away, to be shut up uh, in a room, and to to actually speak to God than uh, to be praying in public, where you think that you're praying to God, but really you're just speaking to others. So first, Jesus says, don't pray to others, pray to God. Second, he says, don't babble. Verse 7. And when you pray, do not keep on babbling like pagans, for they think they will be heard because of their many words. Don't be like them, for your Father knows what you need, Before you ask him, Babel is a good word really to describe what Jesus is talking about. He's not saying don't persevere in praying for things. Uh, Jesus tells us in other places that we should do that. We should persevere. Neither is Jesus uh, saying don't wrestle with God in prayer hour after hour on end. We'll see a little bit later that Jesus himself did exactly that. Rather, Jesus is saying, Don't babble meaninglessly to God in the expectation that if you say enough, or if you say the right form of words, God will do what you want. God isn't a genie in a bottle. He's he's a loving father. He already knows what we need. We don't need to tell him. But if he already knows what we need, what's the point of prayer? Again, the answer lies really in the idea of relationship. Prayer is not a transaction with God to get what we want. Prayer is the means by which we speak with our loving Father and present our requests. Prayer is the means by which we seek after God himself. And prayer is the means by which we pour out our heart to God and seek to be conformed more and more to his will rather than our own will. Prayer is not nagging God My parents always used to say to me, Carl, don't nag. (laughs) I'd be saying, Mom, I want that. Why can't I have that? Or Dad, can I have that? Pretty, pretty, please. Whatever pretty, pretty, please means. But prayer is not nagging God. Prayer is going to God and telling him what we need or what we would like, explaining why, and then trusting him. Prayer is saying to God, Father, would you please give me this? I think it would be helpful for me. I think it would be a, a, a wonderful gift. It would help me to live for you better. But but I don't know, Lord. I know that often my ideas about what I need are mucked up. Uh, I think I need things that I don't. But, but whatever happens, I trust you. If it's better for me not to have it, I, I trust you in that. Help me to accept that and understand that. Jesus wants to shape our practice of prayer by telling us that prayer is not a performance and it's not nagging or pestering or saying magic words. It's a conversation with a Father who loves us and who already knows what we need. But what else can we say about the practice of prayer from the Bible? Again, there's so much that we could say, but let me just highlight three things that I think are helpful for us to keep in mind as we pray. The first thing is that prayer is really a two-way conversation. God speaks to us and we speak to God. How does God speak to us? God speaks to us in the Bible. And then we speak to him on the basis of what he said to us. Lots of the prayers that we see through the Bible are soaked in Scripture. They're soaked in the words that God has already spoken. For example, a few weeks ago, we looked at Daniel's prayer in Daniel chapter 9. Daniel's prayer was the overflow of his meditation of what God had said would take place through the prophet Jeremiah. Daniel uh, says in Daniel chapter 9, uh, he says that he was searching the Scriptures and according to, the, to the, Lord, the word of the Lord given through the prophet Jeremiah, he discovered that the desolation of Jerusalem would last 70 years. He realized what God had prophesied through Jeremiah, and so he turned to the Lord and pleaded with him in prayer and petition. Daniel's prayer is based on what God had already said. So too in the Psalms, people pray on the basis of the Bible. They pray out of who God has already revealed himself to be. They take the truths of the Bible and apply them to the realities of their situation in prayer to God. Jesus prayed the Psalms too as he hung on the cross. He prayed Psalm 22, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? He prayed Psalm 31, into your hands I commit my spirit. In his darkest hour of need, Jesus modelled to us praying God's own words back to him. And throughout the history of the church as well, Christians have understood just how beneficial it is to join the Bible with our prayers. One of the great weaknesses, I think, of the evangelical churches is that we read the Bible and we pray But we rarely join the two things together. So we pray, but we don't pray the Bible. And we read the Bible, but we don't pray what we read. We'll look more at the how of praying from the Bible on Monday next week uh, in the Zoom seminar. I'm really excited about that night. I found it so helpful to prepare for that. And I think that you'll find it helpful as well. And so I'd encourage you to take part in that. But our praying from the Bible can be as simple as taking the words of what you've read and turning them into a prayer. Turning them into things to understand and know about God or ourselves or the world. Uh, taking things to give thanks to God for, things to confess, things to ask God for. Jacob gave us an example of that a couple of weeks ago in his sermon on the challenge of prayer. He showed how the Lord's prayer can be a basis of our prayers back to God. Another example of praying the Bible is to take one of Paul's prayers, for example. We do something like this at our regular uh, quarterly prayer meetings. You can take a prayer from Paul, like the prayer from Philippians chapter 1. Paul says, And this is my prayer, that your love may abound more and more in knowledge... And depth of insight so that you may be able to discern what is best and may be pure and blameless for the day of Christ, filled with the fruit of righteousness that comes through Jesus Christ to the glory and praise of God. So you might pray on the basis of that prayer, Heavenly Father, I pray that my love might abound more and more in knowledge and depth of insight. I pray that I would understand you better from your word. I pray that you would give me discernment to know truth from error. Give me that not just so that I can know, but so that I can live a life which honours and pleases you, a life that's blameless and pure. Father, you know that so often my life is not blameless and pure. I think of today how I spoke to so-and-so like that, how I got angry with them. Forgive me for that. And fill me instead with, that, with the fruit of righteousness that comes through Jesus Christ. Fill me so that my life would be to your glory and your praise. In that way, we're taking God's words, we're hearing them, digesting them, appropriating them for ourselves, trusting them, and then relating and speaking to God on the basis of them. That doesn't mean that all our prayers need to be prayers straight from the Bible. But a great place to start with prayer is not by first speaking to God what's on our, in our heads, but by listening to him speak to us in the Bible and then sharing to God the things that are on our hearts. So prayer shouldn't be a performance or nagging. It should be relational. It should be a conversation where God speaks to us in his word and where we take God's words and pray them back to him. But what can we glean from the Bible about the frequency of prayer? How often should we pray? Well, we regularly see people in the Bible praying at all times of the day in response to all kinds of situations. We saw just before how Daniel prayed in response to the situation that he found himself in, in Babylon. We also saw how Jesus prayed in response to his situation hanging on the cross. But Paul also tells us in 1 Thessalonians chapter 5 to pray without ceasing. Not as in, you know, never let a moment of the day go by where you're not praying, but rather he means that we should persist in prayer. He says in Ephesians chapter 6 to pray at all times, or Romans 12 to be constant in prayer. Whenever we need to pray, we should pray. It should be a regular part of our lives. As one writer puts it, prayer was not to be limited to prescribed hours, but should rather be a common and constant element in their daily life. But as well as that regular and constant prayer, we also see in the Bible a pattern of daily prayer. In the Psalms, we see the writers calling out to God often in the morning. So Psalm 5, In the morning, Lord, you hear my voice. In the morning, I lay my request before you and wait expectantly. Or Psalm 88 verse 13, But I cry to you, Lord, for help. In the morning, my prayer comes before you. There's sort of this idea of first thing in the morning, coming to God for their needs, before anything else, before the day gets underway, coming to God in prayer. In Daniel chapter 6 verse 10, we're told that Daniel prayed three times a day, while in Psalm 55 verse 17, We're told, evening, morning, and noon, I cry out in distress, and he hears my voice. As well as that, in the Old Testament, we see this pattern of morning and evening sacrifices every day at the temple. There's a kind of a rhythm of beginning the day with God and ending the day with God. Now, those sacrifices weren't specifically linked with a command for the people to pray at those times of day. But those morning and evening sacrifices would have provided an opportunity for prayer. And they certainly pre- present a model to us of bookending the day with God. That said, some of the Psalms also speak to us about praying all through the night. Psalm 63 and Psalm 119 can speak about meditating on God through the watches of the night. Later in history, the monastic orders, the monks, took that quite literally and established times for prayer in the watches every three hours through the day and night. Uh, I think that that probably missed the point of those psalms, which was that sometimes long stretches of prayer is called for. I think that's what those, that's what those psalms are saying. But that aside, it does seem that there is a helpful rhythm in at least morning and evening prayer. Now we don't want to make hard and fast rules about that. You can pray at any time of the day or night. God will always hear hear you whenever you call out to him. Uh, And clearly Jesus and David and others did exactly that. They prayed at all times. But a kind of basic pattern of morning and evening does seem like it's a helpful thing. And it kind of makes sense, doesn't it? It makes sense that a great way to begin the day is by coming to God before we do anything else we stop we recalibrate ourselves to who God is to who we are in response to him we speak to our loving father and it makes sense too that at the end of the day we reflect on the day with God we give thanks for what went well we we, we pray about what didn't go well or what still needs to be finished off tomorrow and we seek forgiveness for the things that we did wrong The point is that not that you have to pray morning and evening, you know, and if you're really godly, you'll pray at lunch as well. The point is simply that there seems to be godly wisdom in doing that. There seems to be godly wisdom in praying constantly by bookending out random prayers throughout the day with times of deliberate and concerted prayer in the morning and in the evening. So prayer shouldn't be a performance, it shouldn't be nagging, it should be relational, it should be a conversation where God speaks to us in his word, and where we take God's words and pray them back to him. It should be frequent, and probably morning and evening is a good place to start. But there's one last thing that I want to say about the practice of prayer. And I'm including this because I think it's probably an issue that we all need to address in one way or another. And that is that sometimes we just need to get away from everything in order to pray as well. There are times for praying with others. The Bible clearly gives us examples of Christians praying together. When Jesus says that we should pray in our cupboard, he doesn't mean that we should never pray with others. He just means that we, should, we, should, we shouldn't pray as a performance for others. In fact, praying with other Christians is probably one of the richest Christian experiences that we can have. It's such an incredible time of both speaking to God and learning to love and appreciate our brothers and sisters in Christ. But while praying with others is rich, there's also a time for solitude. One of the remarkable things about Luke's Gospel is just how often Jesus goes away in order to pray. We're told in Luke chapter 5 that Jesus would often withdraw to lonely places in order to pray. Before choosing the 12 disciples, Jesus spends all night in prayer. Luke 6 chapter 12 tells us one of those days Jesus went out to a mountainside to pray and spent the night praying to God. Luke 9, we find Jesus praying alone again. And in Luke 11, when Jesus teaches the disciples the Lord's Prayer, It's after the disciples see him praying privately himself. And of course, on the night of his betrayal, Jesus spends the night in the Garden of Gethsemane, leaving his disciples behind in order that he might pray. One of the biggest obstacles to prayer is distraction. Those distractions can sometimes be important distractions, like sleep or food. But prayer is so important and so difficult to find space for, that sometimes we need to go without those important things in order to pray. We need solitude. We need time away from people, away from phones, TVs, computers, iPads, away from our hobbies. Sometimes we need uh, space from food even. We need to fast in order to make time for prayer. As John Stark says, we don't Uh, get away to find time for ourselves. It's not about me time. We need to get away to find time for God. That's what we need. Not more time for ourselves, but more time with God. Finding time or making time doesn't have to be big or dramatic. It can even be part of the practice of morning and evening prayer. But sometimes making space for prayer will be dramatic. You'll be so much in need of God, so starved of opportunities to pray that you'll need to take big steps to make time to pray. And if you're having trouble finding time to pray, I would encourage you to do that, to skip a meal, to stay up late, get up early for once, for one day, to go away, to make time to pray with God. But whether... Those efforts are big or small. The point is that we need to make time for speaking with God. We need to make time not for performing for others, not to babble and nag, but to speak with our loving Heavenly Father, to hear Him speaking to us in His Word, to speak back to Him morning and evening, through the day and through the night. Let's pray. Dear loving Heavenly Father, we thank you that we can come to you in prayer at any time. Lord, thank you that we can get up early and pray and stay up late and pray. Thank you that we can pray as we get ready for work, as we have breakfast, as we go about our daily activities. Lord, thank you too that we can not only speak to you, but you speak to us. Thank you that in the Bible you speak, not dead words written on a page, but living words, words made active through the powerful personal presence of the Holy Spirit. Lord, help us to receive your words to us in the Bible and help us to use those words to inspire us and motivate us to pray for the things that are in your heart, the things that you want us to have. And help us to use those words in the Bible to reframe the realities of our own lives so that when we pray, we know what to ask, how to ask. Lord, we pray that you'd help us to find each one of us helpful times for prayer. Help us to make times. Lord, whether that's in the morning and the evening every day, whether it's before breakfast or on the way to work. Lord, whether it's at night before we go to bed or after dinner with the family. Whatever it is, Lord, help us to find helpful habits, ways to structure our day and ways to make time so that uh, there is time with you, that our prayers don't get squeezed out by the busyness of life. And Lord, help us to know when those times are, when we need to maybe take bigger steps, when we need to really get away, to take time out, to to maybe skip a meal, to maybe stay up later, get up earlier, because the most important thing for us is to spend time praying with you. Lord, help us to know when to do that and give us the strength and the boldness uh, and the courage to do it. Lord, forgive us that you have given us such a rich gift in prayer and that we don't use it as much as we should or could or as much even as would be good for us. Lord, teach us to pray, not for our sake, but for your sake, that you might be glorified in our prayers and in our lives. Lord, we ask it for Jesus' sake. Amen.